This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. You know, it's the month of February. Valentine's Day is on the way. And, you know, whether or not you think it's one of those Hallmark card holidays, uh, you know, I just think it's a good opportunity to talk about love and healthy relationships. Now, there are healthy relationships, and on the other side of that, there are unhealthy relationships. Have you heard this term, love bombing? It's something that I read recently in a New York Times article, and so I wanted to get an expert on the line to talk about what that is and um, and what it looks like in relationships. And I do have an expert on the line. I have Emily Jordan Jensen, a University of Minnesota lecturer in the College of Continuing and Professional Studies programs in behavioral health and addictions counseling, and uh, Emily, also a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in couples therapy. Thanks for being on the current. Oh, thanks, Jill. I'm glad to be here. Unhealthy love, healthy love. And I mentioned that term love bombing. So let's just start there. Uh, what does that mean? Because it sounds cute and nice, but it is anything but. Right. It sounds like it should be really fun. <laughs> the idea with love bombing is that it's kind of this uh, behavioral pattern where you see a series of grand gestures, maybe gift giving, excessive focus, attention, uh, kind of in one direction. So from one partner in a dating relationship to another. And in the beginning, you know, it can feel really flattering. But in a love bombing situation, there kind of tends to be some strings attached to that behavior. So the partner who is doting and providing all this additional uh, attention may knowingly or unknowingly be sort of creating a power imbalance Mm. in the relationship. So attempting to be, you know, like someone's world, you know, can really create the illusion that the other person doesn't need anyone else. You know, when it comes to the love bomber and the love bomb e. What are kind of the signs that you could be with a love bomber? I mean, and what are the personality sure. traits of that? Yeah, and I don't want, you know, to create the sense of skepticism around every nice thing that someone does for you. I think many of us have trouble opening up at all in the beginning mm-hmm. of a relationship. And and so some people would connect this pattern of love bombing with narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that trouble is afoot if there's grand gestures in your relationship. Um, but one thing that you might want to start keying into is, are those gestures kind of creating an atmosphere in your relationship where you're feeling a little cut off from mm. some of your other people and other things that bring you joy and you know other relationships in your life? Isolation is, is certainly more of a red flag and something that we'd be more concerned about. It really sounds like it, it could be dangerous to be in that kind of relationship. The concern is that this pattern of imbalance and control can set the stage for intimate partner violence or emotional abuse in a relationship. Um, So that's, you know, the worst case scenario. But I think even in less severe situations, if you're in a situation where you're being cut off from family, friends, social supports, you know, it puts an immense amount of pressure on the relationship itself. And it's a lot to be somebody's everything. And quite frankly, quite frankly, I think relationships, you know, that don't have that outside support uh, tend to collapse under the weight of themselves. Hmm. Yeah. And during a pandemic, um, you know, during a time of such isolation, you know, maybe it can be hard to, to pick up on what actually is going on since you're kind of used to being yes. isolated with this person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the conditions that we're in now can make it even harder to 
to kind of make that distinction. Maybe you're in a bubble with this other person that you're dating and they're like the only person you see, you know, because of safety concerns. And and I do think that's been a real challenge uh, in light of what's been going on recently. I'm talking with Emily Jordan Jensen and we're talking about love bombing. This is this term that uh, super producer Anna and I, we, we read this term in the New York Times. And we thought, well, what is this thing? So we're having this conversation about there's healthy love, there's unhealthy love and, you know, healthy relationships, unhealthy. What are some some signs that, you know, this is healthy, this is going in the right direction? Because the love bombing thing, that that really sounds like it's going to spell disaster. For sure. Yeah. You know, when you're just starting a relationship, I think one of the most important things you can tune into is looking at the other relationships in that person's life. So psychologists love to say like that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, mm-hmm. right? And if you're hiring someone for a position, you're going to look at their references or ask for people to vouch for them. And certainly, you know, I think about dating as sort of an extended interview process. You know, if you are going to be the person who's most important in my life, I should do, you know, a pretty thorough job in vetting who you are. Um, And I think, you know, looking at other friendships that someone has in their life can be a great indicator uh, of how they might be in relationship with you, you know, and, and their family as well. And I think it can be if someone says, you know, oh, I'm cut off from my family or I don't have any friends, you know, that is not necessarily a death knell for the relationship, but it's certainly something that I would want to be curious about and, and learn more about why that is. Let's say you're a family member or, or a friend of somebody who, who may be caught in a relationship with some, some real red flags. How can somebody as an outsider sort of approach that? Because uh, there can be a lot of denial. Definitely, definitely. There's all this brain chemistry when you're falling in love, right? That makes it really hard to be objective. And I think that's why it is so important to stay connected to your other people. But that doesn't always happen. And right, how difficult when when you are that other person in someone's life, someone in your family. Um, I think sometimes as Minnesotans, we like to be conflict avoidant, you know, and we think, oh, I'm sure it's fine. You know, but if you have a sense that something, there's something off here, I'm concerned about this person that I care about. You know, I think a gentle approach is a really helpful one. Just getting curious, you know, ask them questions about how the relationship is going. If you lead with this kind of accusatory tone, they're going to be on the defensive about the relationship, of course. But if you can ask gently and kind of express that you care, that's important too. And I think, you know, that friend might be like really leaning into their relationship. Maybe they're not spending as much time with you as they once did. Um, some of that's kind of typical, but I think don't give up on them. You know, it, uh, keep reaching out, you know, keep asking them to do things with you too. I'm talking with Emily Jordan Jensen, my guest for Wellness Wednesday. Um, now, you are also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I, as long mm-hmm. as I have you on the line here and, you know, I guess we started year three of a pandemic. You know, it's the dead of winter and times are tough for people. Times are tough for relationships. You know, what are mm-hmm. some common problems that, that you're seeing as a professional, as a couples therapist right now? Right. We're all so tired, aren't we? Oh, yes. (laughs) I think, yes, (laughs) kind of continuing, you know, on this theme of of social support for relationships. I think a lot of what I've been seeing in practice is that, you know, many of our couples, they're cut off from those outside supports. You know, they're not seeing friends like they used to. Maybe their gym is closed and they're not able to work out like they used to. Um, Maybe they would normally travel to see family this time of year and they haven't been able to travel. I think all of that ends up putting a lot of pressure on a primary relationship. You know, it's like, okay, you have to be my everything, right? And then some of that's just by default because of the world that we're living 
doing it. And I think that, that again, is a lot of pressure. And our stressors are up too. And so it can be really easy to look to your partner and say, well, you're my only other person in this. If you're not holding up your end of the line, you know, I then we're going to collapse. And I just think it can feel like it really drives a lot more conflict um, than you might normally experience. For anybody listening right now that maybe that's kind of clicking with them, um, what's a good way to approach that with your partner? You know, I think a lot of couples therapists feel like, you know, we get people when they're really far down the line. I think part of our cultural narrative around couples therapy is that it's a last ditch effort. Mm-hmm. Like you only go there if your relationship feels like it's tanking. And honestly, you can do so much more work in a preventative place. So, hey, we're just not telling exactly like we used to, or I'm noticing a little more conflict. Maybe we should reach out and, and get some more tools or, you know, just have a checkup on how we're doing because this is such a stressful time. Um, so certainly, you know, Searching online is a a great way to look for providers. Uh, Psychology Today is a great um, website that you can go to. You can put in your insurance provider, if you have one, uh, your location, uh, a couple other uh, search filters, and try to find clinicians um, who might be open to taking you on as a client. Well, before I let you go, um, at the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about this term love bombing. You know, if anyone is listening right now that's thinking, you know, I'm feeling really cut off. Um, What I thought were, you know, gestures of love, maybe something else. And I can understand and see how there may be some fear around that of ending the relationship or leaving. How about for for someone like that? uh, What kind of advice would you give? Oh, sure. That's a really tough to be in, or tough place to be in, you know, and I think reaching out to whoever is in your network and getting honest about what you've been experiencing is a great first step. You know, we're stronger together. And if you're in a position like that, likely you've been made to feel like you don't have a lot of power or maybe you're feeling kind of small or frightened. Um, and so pulling other people, you know, who can who can be a support to you can be really important. It can provide perspective into your situation. It can embolden you to speak out for what you need. Um, I think that's a great first step. And, and often when you're in a position like that, you might feel maybe a sense of shame or like, I don't want to talk about this experience. But, you know, as much as you can, to be really honest about what you've been experiencing with other people you trust, I think is a really good move. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about, um, you know, past behavior can predict current or, or future behavior. Like, I've been mm-hmm. married for so long that it just kind of sparked this thought, you know, if I was ever out there again, like, would I hesitate to ask for references? <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if anybody else is thinking that right now. Yes. And yet you don't need to call them references right. you know, necessarily, but it's, I think it's, you know, hey, let's let's do something with your friends or I would love to meet your friends, you know, or we're going to go out and is there anyone who could join us? You know, I mm-hmm. think that's a really good thing. When I met my spouse, you know, he was in his 30s and he was still really good friends with these people from middle school. And they were just these goofy friends who had these memories of him, since, you know, for decades since he was this goofy teenager. And I just found that to be very attractive and reassuring, you know, OK, here's somebody who they can really vouch for this guy like they've seen him through life. <laughs> Right. And and I think that can be really something to look out for when you're dating. Yeah. I mean, what a great sign of um, a person who has remained loyal to people throughout their life and and has remained connected with people that uh, are important. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for uh, for checking in as you know, we get closer and closer to Valentine's Day and just taking the opportunity to have a wellness conversation about relationships. Uh, Emily Jordan Jensen was my guest this morning, a University of Minnesota lecturer in the college of continuing and 
professional studies programs in behavioral health and addictions counseling and a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in couples therapy. Thanks, Emily, and you take care, okay? Thanks so much. You as well. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Weggle, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 Number 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.